0: Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium, and I hope that my microphone is working correctly this time. The last time, uh, it took me four times <laughs> to get the, the um, microphone to work, and I'm recording this at a pretty early hour of the morning, so I probably am not going to have anybody in the chat room to tell me if the microphone is working. So, ah, there's one lady just popped in and said, it sounds okay. But (laughs) but anyway, uh, I want to talk today about the latest (laughs) Brexit news. But before I do that, the vid chat is tomorrow. That will be Friday, uh, September 13th. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. U.S. Central Time. I will, as usual, be in the chat room early just for a little bit of pre-chat banter and Conversation like we usually do So that will be tomorrow Anyway I want to get right to it because um, Lord Blackheath Of the British House of Lords Is back in the news Again and you may remember him Uh, It's um, It's an Unusual thing Because this is the man That I wrote about way back In my book Covert Wars And Breakaway Civilizations this is the British Lord who, on the floor of the House of Lords, brought up some very, very interesting questions. And you'll recall in my book, Covert Wars and Breakaway Civilizations, I put the transcript of his comments and the interventions in the House of Lords from Hansards. Hansards is the... Um, company that publishes the transcripts of proceedings in in, uh, the British Parliament, just like the congressional record. So I put the transcript of Lord Blackheath's speeches about this question of how much gold really is there in the world. It's very, very interesting. This guy is not afraid to raise questions uh, in the House of Lords that a lot of people would not like talked about, and he's at it again. And this time over Brexit. And I am posting a, an article here when the video goes up on YouTube that you can go look at. I'm going to be reading a great deal of it and commenting on it because this is extraordinary stuff. And I have also linked the Hansard's transcript to his comments that will be coming out on Saturday's blog in the tidbits. So I do have a link coming out Saturday to the entire uh, set of comments that Lord Blackheath made from Hansard's on the floor of the British House of Lords. But anyway, this article, I want to read uh, quite a few paragraphs from this article. Then I'm going to skip to what I think is a very, very revealing set of comments about the subject of this article. And Lord Blackheath's uh, focus here is why on earth has it taken so long for Great Britain to act on the referendum concerning Brexit and get out of the EU? What's the holdup? And in his mind, and i think he's absolutely correct here in his mind it's the plans for a common pan european military all right now we all know the the real uh <laughs> the real center of power in the eu and that's germany okay so there are other aspects to this brexit delay story that i've also been entertaining uh, along with Catherine Austin Fitz, as to why it's taking so long. One of the reasons for Brexit are those British tax havens, and I we both suspect that the British oligarchy does not want the Germans to be able to get their hands on those. So there's a lot of stuff, military, financial, economic, percolating in the background of the whole Brexit thing. And... I want to focus today on the European, pan-European defense plans that the French and the Germans have had for quite some time, particularly the Germans, <coughs> and we'll get back to that. So I'm I'm reading from this article now that I will link, and I'm reading uh, virtually the whole page of my printout of this article to you because I don't want you to miss a detail here, and then I'm going to skip forward to uh, the comments of the former German defense minister, Ursula von der Leyen. All right? So here we go. Quote, Lord James Blackheath has been threatened with the police, told to retract the comments he made in the House of Lords on the European Union Defense Union, and is facing demands to resign and remain silent on the issue from now on. Now let me stop right there. If you go back and read the response to his two speeches that he made in the House of Lords a few years ago about the amount of gold bullion really in existence in the world, you're going to see that the response of the House of Lords was chilly toward him back then, all right? Uh, and again, like I said, I've put those transcripts in my book Covert Wars and Breakaway Civilizations. Anyway, to continue. Quote on Monday last week, Lord James of Blackheath attended a conference held at the Royal United Services Institute entitled, EU Defense Union, the Threat to Democracy, Industry, and Alliances. Unquote. Let me read the title of that conference again EU Defense Union, the Threat to Democracy, Industry, and Alliances. The conference was also attended by, among others, NATO and Ministry of Defense advisor, Professor Gwythian Prince, and a number of former senior military officers. And I'm assuming here that this is predominantly British military officers, but we're not told much else about this conference. Continuing. The briefing covered the consequences for the United Kingdom if the defense and security sections of Theresa May's Brexit deal and its associated political declaration on the future relationship are approved. At that meeting, it was agreed that Lord James would raise the issue in the House of Lords, which he did four days later. Video footage of that intervention has received wide public distribution on Twitter. And now I'm quoting directly from the Hansard's transcript. It's in the article of what Lord James said. And here's here he is, quote, We have this wonderful paper called Yellowhammer, which tells us all the dreadful things that will happen if we do no-go. My secretary has an alternative list that I have compiled called the Black Vulture, which is my list of the things that people do not know which will happen if we do not go no deal. In other words, what he's saying is if we don't go with the hard Brexit, here's the bad things that's going to happen. Continuing. The first is the hazard it creates for the crown. The second is. And guess who's been kind of questioning the whole Brexit thing for quite some time, all the way back to that Buckingham Palace meeting with the Deputy Prime Minister of David Cameron a few years ago, when the Queen asked him, well, can you name three good things about the European Union? Okay, so let me start that again. The first is the hazard it creates for the crown. The second is, will somebody please tell us the truth? about the European Defense Union. This is by far the biggest issue facing the British public, and they know nothing about it officially. Can we please have a proper account of what it entails? Is it really true that the government have entered into private agreements with the European community that they will on completion of remain or whatever it is to be, transfer to the European Union in Brussels the entire control of our entire fighting forces, including all of their equipment. Now, let me stop, folks, and remind you of what that really is saying. Great Britain is a thermonuclear power. Great Britain can and does make its own nuclear weapons it also has the means to deliver them, okay? So in other words, this is really significant, and what it ultimately means is that you're turning control of French and nuclear deterrents, and the French are a thermonuclear power too, and in a certain sense, a much more dangerous one since they have the ability to deliver those weapons at long, long strategic distance. This means that you're turning over control of those nuclear deterrents to a common European military, and that common European military is then answering mostly to whom in the European Union. We'll get back to this. My noble lords may jest, but it has been done, and they should check it out. It is too important to ignore. We must know the truth of this. We must have it clear for the whole public to know. I believe it is true, and I think we should be told. I understand that it is intended that the oath of every serving member of our forces will be canceled, and they will be required to undertake a new oath of loyalty to Brussels. I understand that in recent months we have had a series of people sent from our armed forces to create and install the command and control centers to be used for the control of our troops once we have ceased to have any control over their use, application, or deployment. It goes beyond this. They are to take control of our intelligence services, the whole core of Five Eyes. They will have MI6 and the Cheltenham Monitoring Center, and we will be completely excluded from it under the new arrangements and have no access either to the, end quote. And at this point, Lord Blunkett, continuing with the article, former Home Secretary in Tony Blair's cabinet intervened with what could be perceived to be a threat, quote, I wonder whether the noble Lord would be prepared to give way for just one moment. I appeal to him to conclude because it is not in either his interests or the interests of the committee for him to continue, unquote. Now, that's the exchange on the House of Lords. Notice the focus. Common European military under control of Brussels, Surrender of the entirety of the technological infrastructure of British military command and control to Brussels and Brussels' control of British intelligence, MI5 and MI6, which answers supposedly to the crown. So in other words, what's really being targeted here is the crown and therefore British sovereignty to create a common European military that's going to be either under the boot of Berlin or under the boot of Paris. And I think both of these are possible here. But either way, what you're doing is you're surrendering sovereignty in a huge way, leaving Britain essentially defenseless. Now, later in this article, there is something that I think is hugely revealing And the article is citing a statement of the former German defense minister, Ursula von der Leyen, and she was the defense minister for a period in Germany under Angela Merkel. And it was also Ursula von der Leyen that allowed the German military to basically fall apart. Um, You know, when Merkel took over, it was a fairly substantial military and so on, and it's just been allowed to kind of decay under Merkel's chancellorship. But I suspect there's an agenda behind that, and I want you to listen very carefully to what Ursula von der Leyen, according to this article, said. Let me um, let me go back to the article and begin here. Quote: Consider Lord Blackheath's main question: what does the EU defense union entail? This is a good question. It is one which the entire British political establishment has steadfastly either refused to answer at all or has given diversionary responses about the European Union having no plans for a European Union army. To find an answer to this question, we have to look to the EU itself, (coughs) pardon me, to Tony Blair and to RUSI. For the EU... Ursula von der Leyen, former German defense minister, has been absolutely open about her plans for what defense union entails. Quote, I want to talk about four components, which I believe are important for setting up a European defense union, she said. Continuing, First of all, just two or three weeks ago, for the first time, we were able to give the green light for a European command capacity in Brussels. That is the first time, listen to this very carefully, folks, because what she's really saying here should absolutely have your jaw on the floor. This is the first time that military and civil instruments would be commanded together, where these commands would actually come from a single command office. In other words, they're setting Brussels up for a military dictatorship. This is a major step forward. It was unthinkable a short while ago, but it's precisely the right approach to have if we want a European flavor to our defense policy, unquote. In a previous statement, she made it clear that the EU would wish to pursue interventionist policies, listen, in Africa, a continent, she said, where NATO has no real interests. Who is in Africa right now? Well, it's China and the United States. Now, folks, I cannot tell you how breathtaking and sweeping this is. For those of you who haven't read my book, and I'm not trying to sell a book here, folks. I'm trying to put information into your hands. But for those of you who have not read my book, The Third Way, about the European Union and what it really is in terms of historical planning, I want you to go get that book, buy it off of Amazon, and please, please, please read it. Because a European common market with a common European defense has been the dream of the German deep state since prior to World War I. Okay? Okay. And I'm not trying to point fingers at the average German here. I'm trying to point fingers at a power structure that has been there for a very, very long time. And to me, it's very significant. If you look at Ursula von der Leyen's words, you can parse them in two different ways. Let me read them again. This is a major step forward. It was unthinkable a short while ago, but it's precisely the right approach to have if we want a European flavor to our defense policy. Well, who is the is the preposition our, the possessive preposition our, referring to? Europe, or if you take a long historical view, someone else's. Now, to me, it's extremely interesting that she is targeting Africa as the place where this pan-European military is going to be the most active. Now, why is that interesting? Well, who are the big, big three powers in Europe? Well, they're Germany, France, and Great Britain. Everybody knows this. Even Italy. And what about those three or four powers? Well, number one, they all had sizable colonial commitments in Africa, particularly Britain, France, and Italy. Germany was a late comer to the game and got a few minor uh, colonies down towards South Africa. So, in other words, the way I'm reading her comments. About the intended sphere of influence that this pan European military is going to be engaged in, namely Africa. Well, what they're signaling is number one, Europe intends to be a huge competitor in their old colonial stopping grounds with the United States and China, who are currently there. In other words, this is as much about competing with the United States and competing with China in their old colonial stopping grounds. And number two, I strongly suspect it's about reasserting a European hegemony over those stomping grounds. And finally, let's not forget the other story hovering in the background here is the refugees. And where by and large are they coming from? Well, Africa. So what she's also signaling is this is our real response. To that question. We create the crisis, we get the military, now we can intervene and put an end to the crisis. Clever. Folks, this is, um, this to me is just breathtaking. And, you know, my hat's off to Lord Blackheath for calling all of this into question. Because If you ask me this this whole EU nightmare, and again, I want to urge you, if you haven't read my book, Third Way, please go out and do so. Please, 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 because there's historical information in that book about what the real architecture of the European Union and who was really ultimately behind it. And you've got to read it because the documentation is there. If I were to say it on the air, it would sound kooky. You've got to see the documentation itself. In order to really understand how nefarious all of this really is, so anyway, that's it for today's little Brexit <laughs> Brexit brief. <laughs> We're not through this yet, uh, folks. Uh, for those of you in the United Kingdom, uh, please hang in there. <laughs> you know, uh, I I really you know my hat's off to you. <laughs> for for your patience through all of this. Anyway, don't forget tomorrow night we do have the vid chat, uh, members vid chat on the website at 6:30 U.S. Central Time. I'll be there a little early, and uh, we'll have our usual pre-chat conversations. Anyway, that's it for today's news and views, folks. The nefarium has been busy. Uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Bye bye, and God bless.